0: You're listening to the Savvy Citizen Podcast, I'm Adam Gobb. Today, we're speaking with two Gaston County employees, Juan Garcia and Deanna Willman. Both of them are natives of Columbia and have come to work for Gaston County in different departments. We're talking to them today about Latinx Heritage Month, about their past growing up in Columbia, and what it means to be of Hispanic descent in North Carolina. All right, welcome into another edition of the Savvy Citizen Podcast. Uh, We're talking with Deanna Willman and Juan Garcia. Juan is with our Building and Development Services Department, and Deanna is with our Public Health Department. Thank you both for joining us today.
1: Thank you for inviting us.
2: Thank you, Adam, and uh, thank you, Andrea and Josh. And also I want to thank the uh, County Manager, Dr. Eagle, for the opportunity. Thanks.
0: Absolutely. So today we're talking a little bit about Uh, Latinx Heritage Month and we wanted to get to know the both of you just a little bit more because um, the work that you both have done for Gaston County um, is varied but you've both played kind of an integral role in advancing kind of the idea that Hispanics are a growing part of our community Um, and especially Deanna the work that you've done over the past year or so um, in terms of outreach to that community um, with so much information about COVID, that's really been a big part of your jobs. Obviously, during the first few months of the pandemic, there was there was a lack of educational materials and just communications in Spanish in particular. Um, and, and you kind of stepped up right away and were very much vocal about wanting to make sure that that gap got filled. Um, why was that so important to you?
1: So in the past, we have realized that we have offered many services to the Latinx community. But um, COVID showed us that those efforts were lacking a little bit more of effort. So we were needing more to do more uh, to reach the community because the community was very affected by this. So um, we realized that we were needing to um, go door to door. Um, provide more materials that are um, not only in Spanish, but culturally appropriate. Okay. That show representation of the people that, that we serve and that show um, the language that we can all understand. Because mm-hmm. as we know, we all are, speak Spanish, but we are from different uh, parts of the world. So our Spanish are very different. So we were trying to come up with different ways to provide um, that information to everybody, to be able to reach to everybody. Um, one of the things that we work on and am very proud of is that we create a Facebook page where we provide the information about COVID vaccination, COVID updates, and that's uh, a Facebook page that is called El Departamento de Salud de, de, del Condado de Gaston. Um, another of that we did, it was um, just trying to um, call people and remind them and go person by person and trying to talk with the community about the benefits of the vaccination or, or what was going on with the COVID. we reach out to churches and, uh, and all of that. So it's an effort that before COVID, um, it wasn't done as close as we're doing it right now.
0: Yeah. So, I, I I mean, it's it's really gone, I think, light years ahead in the future in terms of kind of where we were, you know, just 18 months ago and where we are today. And obviously there's still a lot more work to be done, but I mean, And not to say that you're doing it alone, but you're spearheading a lot of the work in in the health department. And uh, talk a little bit about, you actually changed titles not too long ago to to be more in line with this work, right?
1: So, yeah. So um, a year ago, I was working as uh, the team parenting program coordinator. And again, when we saw the efforts that were needed to um, be offered, the, the things that we were needed to offer to the community, um, the whole department decided that we need somebody dedicated for the Latinx outreach and the appointment to do that job.
0: It's, it's been, I would think, in your situation, it's, it's got to be a very rewarding job because you're able to really reach out and, and have see a really almost immediate impact of the results of your work.
1: So, yeah, so we, like I said, we have contacted churches directly with churches. We have contacted the stores. um, Gaston County, uh, through the work that we have done through the past year, we have realized there is many, many places uh, where the community gather. Mm -hmm. Um, Restaurants, stores, salons. So we have worked with them um, distributing the information needed for them to get the full information Absolutely. Of, that we need to provide. Um, so m- yeah, I'm very proud of, of the job that I have done, but we have extended with a lot of people in our, um, the health department. We have in, in the health department around 12, 13 uh, bilingual people. And we, when I got to this job, I decided that I didn't know all of the answers. And I'm just the, the voice of many of um mm. the community. But I was needing to uh, find out what the community was needing. So I got with all of the bilingual people and we uh, start to identify something that is called in Spanish Foda. Okay. Which is um in English something called SWAT. Okay. Um strengths when start to identify the strengths, the weakness, the opportunities and the threats. Right. That's in English. Um of course, we do it in Spanish. Right, <laughs> right. But we, um, so we start to identify that where we, uh, where we need to provide the services, what are those services, and how we can provide those services the right way. And with the work of the bilingual crew, like we call ourselves in the health department, um, we, we are able to see what else we need to keep working, what else we need to improve, what else we need to be offering, and what we're doing right, too.
0: Well, the the Hispanic population uh, is is certainly growing nationwide and and growing here in Gaston County. And Juan, you've worked with the the census data, and we were talking just before we we started the the podcast about kind of looking at some of the numbers that have come back. And and it's certainly exciting to see kind of growth in that part of our community.
2: Right. I have served, uh, this is my third census, so I have served uh, Gaston County in the Complete County Committee for Uh, since 2000, 2010, and 2020. And the numbers have increased. Mm -hmm. You're right. And and the Latino population have increased about 9%, 9 9.5% since uh, 2010. From 12,000 residents that we have in Gaston County, we have approximately 20,000 residents of the Latino uh, heritage today in Gaston County. And it it is growing every every day. Uh, We see the National trends is not just an international migration; it's also national and also local migration as well.
0: And again, this is something that we were talking about beforehand. You're you're both actually from Colombia, but when you're talking about Hispanic, it it means a lot of things to a lot of people, and it's it, people from a variety of different countries across multiple continents.
2: Correct. And 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 again, we we probably be from the same country, but we are from different cities. Okay and we probably speak a little different. We probably eat a different kind of food. But when you live in a, in a place like Aston County and you find that you're just not Colombians, you have also people from Mexico, from Dominican Republic, from Puerto Rico, Honduras, and some other countries, even Argentina and Spain, you find out that the people are different and they speak a little different, they eat different, they go to different stores, uh, so they have their own little niches around. And basically, the Latino population tend to live near the highways mm. uh, for easy way to get in and get out, I guess, to work.
0: Sure. So when you're talking about something that's coming up with Latino Heritage Month, do you look at that and, and have kind of, uh, OK, these are these are some things that, that we would celebrate? Is it different depending upon kind of what country you come from and in terms of how much you care about it, how much you celebrate? And, and this question is kind of for both of you.
2: Well, I I believe that mainly I think the Mexican community celebrates a little bit more of the what is Dia de los Muertos. Sure. Which is Day of the Dead uh, more than any other country all over the world. Even though there are some uh, areas in Spain that celebrate Dia de los Muertos as well, as I understand. But that is a way to communicate with other communities in, in Gaston County on the Latino heritage. And a couple of years ago, we have the fortune to do this at the Gaston County Museum. Okay. And it was a success. We, we have people from all over the county coming into this gathering and not just people from Mexico. but the people that came from Mexico, they have their faces painted and, mm. and they were celebrating a little bit more dif- different than the other communities. But it was a good opportunity for the other communities to learn was the Dia de los Muertos? Now, the Hispanic heritage is celebrated in so many different ways. Unfortunately, with the COVID pandemic, we have several festivals that unfortunately have been canceled, not just right. in Gaston County, but in other areas in the Charlotte region. And, but it's a way to celebrate, not just that, you know, we all speak Spanish, but we celebrate so many different uh, cultures since we come from so many different countries.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Diana, th- any thoughts on, on kind of that same question in terms of just, it's it's such a broad category of people that are all kind of being lumped into this one title.
1: So um, the Heritage Month, of course, is just celebrated in the United States. Right. I don't recall celebrating in my country ever. Right. Um, and when I search about it, I just find out that it's about people that have um, gained a lot of... Uh, popularity for the work that have done, for um the immigrant war, for um any kind of work that is being done. So um we start to we hear, okay, let's celebrate mm-hmm. one more party to go, one more <laughs> thing to do as a Latino, which we celebrate a lot. Ah. So that was one more thing um to celebrate. Um The way I've been wanting to celebrate this year um, now because with this new position, I feel like uh, we need to to do a lot more is about representation. Mm. So what I want to do is just to show Gaston County who we are here in Gaston County. Like um, how many um, Colombians are, how many uh, uh, Mexicans are. So um, the way I want to do that is that. So we're planning to do something in the health department that is um, a... Um, kind of a photo art exhibit okay. where we're going to have um, photos of many people in the community doing their work. So we have a fire department and a person. We have um, somebody from Wow Supermarket, of course. We have sure. um, the health representation, church. So we want to do that representation and say, hey, we are everywhere. We are doing um uh, The jobs here too so this year for me it was more that about okay let's 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 show who we are in gaston county
0: absolutely and here's a question i had and and feel free to to tell me to pound sand if you don't want to answer it um but something i've heard come up sometimes is the the term latinx and some people they get bent out of shape about it or they're offended by it some people don't care When trying to describe the Hispanic community, is it Hispanic? Is it Latino, Latina? Is it Latinx? Does it matter? Does it depend on who you're talking to?
1: So we, and Juan help me out here, but we (laughs) are, so Latinx is a new term uh, that came out in 2016. A little bit older, but really, really make history in 2016 because the fight with LGBTQ. So Latinx is, is a term that has, Gender um, gender neutral, right. which means that when we say you Latino or you're Latina, that includes um, Latino ends in O, so it is a male. And Latina ends in A, and it's a female. So right. we didn't want to um, use that term. Like my position, my, my position is Latinx outreach coordinator. We want to be inclusive and include the LGBTQ community community
0: absolutely
1: yes there is a lot of people that doesn't like that term but it, it's part of um the new the new terms uh, the, the changes and changes are not that well received sure and, sure and absolutely. all of that but but um we definitely as a health department want to use the, the term latinx mm. to be that
0: inclusive. makes sense because yeah i mean you you don't want to be in a situation where people are feeling excluded like they're not part of kind of what you're trying to achieve
2: Right. And that's what I heard. I heard the term since the 1994, when a college student came out with this term mm. in, in her dorm, she was writing something. And they said, "What well, I have to say Latino or Latina. And, well, she created Latinx. It mm. was another story that the Latinx came from a, from Puerto Rico, uh, also with uh, trying to get the, the gender neutral. Right. It's trying to not discriminate against uh, the Latinos, male, Latinas, or the LGBTQ+. Community,
1: correct and also the Hispanics is another word that we listen to it and hear thanks to the census mm. it was like you described it was a term that was made to enclose everybody that speak Spanish right um, and, and it was just uh, okay how we name all of these people that speak Spanish so they put uh, they put a name like Hispanics but if you if I'm in our countries right when we don't um, recognize that. As much we are Latinos,
2: right? It, it, it is it, it is well used by the Census Bureau, and and that is one, one of the questions uh, this time of the Census 2020 questionnaire. Mm-hmm. If you're Hispanic, what what kind of If you and then ethnicity, what country you're coming from? So it's a more detailed question this time around. But again, it is is not used in other countries. It's only used in the U.S. and is well known because of the Census.
0: You're listening to Savvy Citizen. We're speaking with Deanna Wilman and Juan Garcia, both Gaston County employees for Latinx Heritage Month. If I can, I wanted to, to each ask you. So, when when did you immigrate to the, the United States? Because neither one of you were born here, right? Correct.
1: So um, I was 20 years, no, 19 years old, okay. and that wasn't not the one to say when. <laughs> I I'm thought gonna, about it. I'm better. not going to ask your age. <laughs> But um, I decided to come to the United States to learn the language. So um, it was around that time that I realized that um, learning the language, it takes more than <laughs> than six months. So mm-hmm. I decided to stay in the United States. So from there, I'm here.
2: Yeah, and, uh, and I was probably about the same age. I think I was 19 when I em- migrated to oh, the wow. U.S. with my entire family back in those days. Uh, the the Colombia had, uh, fortunately, a, a, a wrong reputation with with uh, other issues that probably you're well-known. So- um, I have no idea what you're <laughs> talking about. It. We've never seen that displayed <laughs> no. in movies or yeah. anything like that. Right, exactly. So, but it was a smart by my parents and moved the entire family to, to the US. So we don't have to deal with that situation, especially in the city that I was living in. I grew up in the city of Medellin. So oh, yep. that was well known, and I was well-known. And I think Diana, you were born in- uh, Cali. Cali so okay. Um, so it was
1: Cali against Medellin. Exactly. Right. So we were two
2: cities <laughs> against each other back in the 80s and 90s. So we were fortunate to have uh, to our families over here. It's <laughs>
0: like the Shakespearean, like the Montagues and the Capulets. Very, exactly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I actually came, um, my brother was here first. Okay. Um, my family is pretty big. We have four kids and my brother, the oldest, came first. And I uh, came behind him So um, and I actually came to North Carolina um, after... I lived with him for a year and then came by myself here. I was twenty years old.
0: What are some of the things that you've experienced living in the United States compared to growing up in colombia i mean what are what are some of the the differences in terms of lifestyle uh, freedoms that sort of stuff?
1: I love my country. I love what my country has to offer but I like the feel safe sure I like um for some reason I'm very uh, nervous about driving around and if you go to Colombia you will realize that driving around is crazy so mm-hmm. I love how to be able to drive in here and be safe and the, the law is very respected i love my my country like i say i love my food and i miss all of that but i love what i have what I, what this country have offered me um, in here and part of that is like I say, the safety, um, the opportunity mm. of being um, the American dream, like what they call have a house, have a career, have a nice work, sure. uh, um, all of that. Not that we can not have it in, in our country, but the stress level is different in there than mm. here. If that makes sense.
2: Absolutely, right, right. I think the same reasons. I think uh, Colombia is a beautiful country. Don't take me wrong; is people are amazing. Coffee is awesome if you drink coffee. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but again, it's, it's one of those uh, situations that you're young, and, and I guess your parents want the best for you. Mm-hmm. So you have to adapt to something that I, that, that I call first in the first 10 years when you move from another country, the assimilation process. Right. And then, then you take another 10 years of integration processes when you already feel comfortable with what you're doing. You feel more than you are part of this community, then being an outsider, because m- most of the times you feel an outsider, especially when you have the first five or ten years, you still learn in the process. Especially if you move from another state. Uh, I have the fortune to uh, to live in a couple of states. I moved from the north area, New York, New Jersey area, uh, thirty years ago to North Carolina, and okay. I fell in love with with, with this community. With uh, you have beautiful places to go. You have the mountains. You have the You have the ocean part yep. of it. So you got You have everything. So I decided to uh, invest a little bit more in, in what is going to be my future over here in, in North Carolina, and I don't regret it. I think it has been uh, one of those good things that I have done, in, 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 since I moved to the U.S. and even for my kids, uh, I have two children, and and they love they love North Carolina, especially you know the things they can offer besides Bojangles. And all that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you can't beat the biscuits here. That's <laughs> it. What are what are some of the things, and Diana, you talked a little bit about like the food and the culture, but uh, if you had to pinpoint something that you miss most about Colombia, wh- what would that be?
1: Immediately, I will say the people. Mm. The warmers of the people. They go and have coffee one day with a friend in, in your house, and it ended up in a party. Mm. The food <laughs> that you shared during that little moment, all of that I miss from Colombia. And, of course, my family. My family is still half of my family is in Colombia. So it definitely okay. totally means that.
2: Yeah, that's one of the things that I miss the most. It's just the uh, trying to get with your friends and, and gathering with family. Uh, just uh, I remember when I was a child getting out in, in the porch outside my house and just, you know, play with the kids outside until late at night. And, mm. and, and I miss to go with the neighbor's house and have... And, and, have dinner in there, and they do the same at my house. It was it was fun. And the family, of course. Uh, I still uh, have family in Colombia. And, and going to the farm, actually, I miss that a lot. Mm-hmm. Riding the horses in there, uh, oh, wow. coffee beans uh, in summer. Um, I didn't like it too much when I was young, but I miss it now. Right. <laughs> so uh, that's one of the things that I miss the most. Yeah,
1: definitely seems like um, moments are different. We don't need that much. Yeah. Like it seems like I, I didn't need that much in, during that times, and here it's like uh, you need physical things. Yeah. And over there it's just like all of the memories it were just very simple things. We 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 have one vacation during the year, and and that was wonderful. But in here, you you feel I feel like you, uh, you need a lot more. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's part of consummation or part of what, but I miss that from there too.
0: It's it's interesting because I spent some time traveling in, in Africa and Southeast Asia and, and different parts of the world and the differences between culture and the, the way that, that people connect with one another, it, it seems like America and maybe Western Europe to a certain extent is, is a lot different than most of the rest of the world.
2: Uh, it, it is absolutely right. I have traveled, for example, to other Spanish countries like Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. Costa Rica is one of those places that I fell in love because the people they mm-hmm. take the time to do th- and I, went, I visited Uruguay a few years ago. And, and that wasn't an amazing because you feel the contrast between European descent people which right. from Uruguay and then a Spaniard descent from Costa Rica. And they still have the same sense of being familiar with you, take the time to do things without rushing things. So uh, mm-hmm. that's one of the difference uh, between Euro- West European countries and uh, US, I guess.
0: Diana, looking forward in terms of your job, and I know we're so consumed still with, you know, communications about COVID, but what are some of the the hopes for what you'd like to achieve in, in your role going forward when we're not having to be thinking about <laughs> the pandemic all the time?
1: So definitely more representation, and I uh, go back to that all the time. I want more people that look like the people that we serve. I want more people that speak the language that we serve. So... M- Part of my job is just trying to fight for that more um, representation, and I, I cannot say it enough. Mm-hmm. Um, another things that I want to do is to to trying to train a little bit more um, people about the, these. Mm, I want to say um, immigrants. Mm-hmm. I want to um, get to demonstrate who we are to um, most of the. Um, Employees and understand the immigration process. Understand why we do certain things um, to better serve and be empathetic and and uh, um, understand who we who we serve.
0: And you're probably, I mean, when you're doing some of the outreach about COVID, you're dealing with different barriers potentially than you would in in other parts of the population. Whether it's concerns about um, immigration status or or language barriers or things along those those lines.
1: Definitely. So yeah, that's part of. Some of the um, barriers that we we have um, is still a lot of um, people still not trusting sure. what we have to offer um, or the government in general because um, past because history because immigration issues because uh, um, undocumented or documented because what we because we haven't been um, proactive to uh, or service to them. Mm-hmm. So um, definitely that's some of the barriers that we, that we encounter. And um, some of the things why we don't get um, people vaccinated why we don't get people to use it our services because of fears and lack of trust on the
0: service. And Juan, you've, you, obviously you've talked about having served now on, on three different census committees here in Gaston County. Uh, do some of those same issues kind of play out when you're trying to get people to, to fill out the census?
2: Absolutely. Not just in Gaston County, but uh, also part of the board of directors of the NC Counts Coalition at the state level. Mm-hmm. And you see that all over, the, all, all over the state, in every county. So uh, it still there's a lot of work to do on in that, in that part. But uh, now with the... I guess, to uh, the diverse equity and inclusion uh, ways to do things today. I think there are more people uh, f- looking into let people get in from different di- uh, diverse groups to help these communities to be counted. In 2010, we missed a lot of the Latino population in North Carolina, just because we didn't have uh, enough people that can communicate with, with, with the Latino ex- or Latinx community. But now we have more representation. We have more people that is trying to educate the community about the importance of being counted. Mm-hmm. And as you probably already know, every person uh, that is missed in, in any descent, especially in on this one, is about $2,000 per year per person. Yep. And if you multiply that by 10, do the math. And, and if you have five people in that household, multiply that by 2,000. Yeah. And then by 10, there's a lot of money that they the county is missing just in one family. Absolutely. So it was an effort, all the complete county committee, and they understood that we need to be more inclusive and in trying to get more people, diverse people to uh, help these communities to be counted.
0: And I think sometimes the, the with the numbers that can get lost. It's, it's not so much that the county needs to pad its coffers. It's, you know, we need the money coming from the federal government to be able to provide the appropriate level of services for our citizens. It's
2: for everybody. Uh, As a senior transportation planner for Gaston County, I can tell you that the money, not just go to social services or the health department, it goes to roads, schools, uh, police, uh, fire departments. I mean, you name it, it's so many different programs that that number is locked for 10 years. The December 2020 census numbers are gonna be locked for the next 10 years. And a lot of programs are based on those final numbers. Mm And if you miss a lot of people, uh, you're gonna unfortunately lose a lot of those, that money. And the state also provides some of those grants based on the census 2020 numbers. In 2010, unfortunately we missed 4,500 kids. That's people under 18. Wow. And we, we worked really hard this year to count every single children and young children in Gaston County. And I think we were, we were, we were very successful in that because we include the schools exclude high school students in the senior year to do this. And they did an amazing job trying to communicate that to the younger generations.
0: Absolutely. I wanted to go back to something that you had mentioned before, because we've had um, Pearl Burris Floyd on the, on the podcast um, twice before, I believe. And uh, we've talked to her about kind of the work that she's done as the county's first diversity equity and inclusion officer. But you're both, if I'm remembering correctly, part of the, the multicultural affairs committee.
2: I am. I am okay. part of the Multicultural First Committee. I'm also certified at DEI as Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Certified. Uh, and Ms. Floor has done an amazing job this year uh, trying to get more people, uh, diverse people uh, included on, on, on these talks. And, I, and she's been uh, very proactive in, in, in trying to get everybody Involved in these in these different programs,
0: and, and just from from both of your perspectives, why is the work of DEI important? Because it, it, you know, I think some people look at that and go, "Oh, well, you know, it's just simply making sure that you have you know people from different races and backgrounds involved." And why is that that hard?
2: Well, I be, it's, it's very important to have a diverse group of people when 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 a company. And I'm just going to put an example. I worked at Gaston College f- as a part-time instructor for 16 years. And some of the classes that I did were to companies all over the Charlotte region. Okay. And one of the first questions that I had was, why do I need to diversify my, my, my employment to other people? Why am I supposed to, the, the workforce has to be diverse? I said, well, it's very important. When you have more people from different backgrounds, your productivity will be higher. Mm. And your assets will be higher. And I think when you have a diverse group of people in your workforce, it will bring not just that different perspective, but the creativity will increase and your production will increase uh, really, really high. So in my case, and this is for my personal view, having a diverse group of uh, em- employees, for example, for Gaston County, the productivity will, will be higher than what it is for the last 20, 30, or 40 years.
1: And I have to add that, um it's just to have a voice on the table of everybody. A representation of everybody that we serve, that we that, that, that we are represented here in Gaston County. As one says, census is showing that we are a huge part in here. So we need that representation in every single table they can um, advise and talk about what is it that our culture needs and what is it that our culture um, requires sure. um, to be offered a better service again.
2: I think and, and and to add to that Diana, De- I think it's important from that perspective to know that these communities today in North Carolina are growing yes. uh not just the Latinx community but you have the Asian community is one of the fastest growing communities, not only in North Carolina but all over the u s absolutely and the population that is eighteen years and over are higher than ever, mm. so this is the people that are gonna vote, so representation is very important, and as you probably already know. Uh, North Carolina received one seat more in the House of Representatives due to the uh, census counts. North Carolina now has 14 seats in the House of Representatives. And they represent around 740,000 people around. So we in North Carolina, we're going to have another district uh, drawn pretty soon before the 2024 elections. So it's very important to have representation as well. And when you include people different than you, then that, that will count.
0: Well, and it's, it's something that you look at where North Carolina is currently. And because the state has grown so much since the last census, each member of the House of Representatives is, is representing a larger portion of population than, than they should. Um, so now being able to add that census seat in, and obviously they'll go through the whole redistricting process, that's going to help, like you said, provide better representation for residents across the state. So look,
2: and I'm going to tell you an example. New York, New York State, uh, they lost one seat. Mm-hmm. And when you how they lost one seat when they have a so diverse group of population, yeah. Well, they lost one seat just because eighty nine people didn't count in the census. Only eighty nine. That was that was just amazing. It surprised me a lot because New York is one of the biggest states that we have, and North Carolina is is, is thirty nine uh, from fifty states that we have in the U.S. Is, is in the nine position. Gaston County also is in the nine position from one hundred counties that we have in North Carolina is, is 39 as uh, so one of the fastest growing communities in, in, in North Carolina.
0: Yeah, it's, it's really interesting to look at that and, and look at the future of Gaston County because I think for a lot of folks, uh, you look back not too too far in Gaston County's past and, and with the textile industry, you know, really falling away from where it was in its heyday. I think maybe there could have been a lot of questions about, you know, where would Gaston County go, but it, it seems like there really is a bright future here.
2: Correct. Except the the whole uh, Charlotte region, you cannot just look it into Gaston County anymore as a whole. You you still do, but you have to look it into more counties as a regional mm-hmm. uh, approach because uh, you know the, the, the I, I- eighty five doesn't stop in Gaston County only, right? Right. right. Seventy four doesn't stop in Gaston County, or South Point Road is not just in Belmont, right? Or uh, Wilkinson Boulevard doesn't stop in 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 of Belmont. Mm-hmm. It, it crosses different counties and different cities.
0: Well, Juan, Deanna, thank you so much for, for joining us today on Savvy Citizen. Uh, it's been my pleasure to have you both here, and we're very glad to have you here at the county.
1: Thank you so much for the invitation.
2: Thank you, Adam. I don't appreciate the opportunity. Thanks. Absolutely.